0: you are listening to beyond bones a series of kitchen table conversations between a doctor and a yoga teacher in this episode chloe and eliza introduce themselves and discuss the ways in which western medicine and yoga view the human body So, I'm Eliza Bishop, uh, a certified Anger Yoga teacher, and I'm sitting literally at my kitchen table with...
1: Uh, Hi, I'm Chloe Saunders, and I'm a junior doctor. I work in Scotland at the moment, and I predominantly work in accident and emergency recently, but um, I'm interested in mental health, Um, and I met Eliza because... I uh, do Iyengar yoga as well, and uh, she was a teacher on a retreat I went on in the UK back in
0: 2014. And I think that's when we found that the paths that we're on cross, and they have these points of joining and meeting, uh, and that we see human beings uh, in a multitude of dimensions uh, yeah. based on the body, mind, and breath connection. And we, I think, from then started an interesting dialogue about um, kind of what it means to be a human, what it means to work towards healing, what it means to be well, what it means to be healthy. Um, So we've decided to record some of this so that it can uh, hopefully be useful for um, people to listen to and benefit from.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that meeting you and what's been interesting in the conversations that we've had kind of over the years when we've met up has been um, so I I trained in medicine in the UK which is very much the western traditional model of medicine and uh, of the human body and uh, when you're looking at any way of explaining or describing anything you use a lot of stories and narratives to explain that thing but it's context and um those stories and narratives become very powerful and they actually start dictating how you act and behave how you view mm-hmm. yourself um, and 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 for for people who are unwell patients or doctors um, how they choose to approach their illness or approach their their treatment their healing um but Yoga has also got uh, a view of the human body, which comes perhaps you would be able to tell more about it, but it comes from um, Indian traditional um,
0: philosophy, would you say? Or... Yes. I'm not gonna give a lecture on the history of yoga. No. Because this would take too long. <laughs> just but just contextualize I'll state, it. Yeah. And I think this is yeah, this is a great point, which is that Um, What yoga gave to me, which I practiced for 15 years without ever considering even teaching it. Mm -hmm. So what it gave me through my own practice was this incredible awareness of how different I experienced myself and functioned as a being when my body and my mind and my breath were all working together. Whereas I think most of my previous life and from what I've gotten talking to students and fellow practitioners um, is before I would have self-diagnosed as having a very overactive mind. Because I had grown up to train in this way of you know being able to read articles, read books, uh, summarize the information, reiterate the information, you know have a lot of thoughts on a lot of topics and a lot of views on a lot of situations. Rather than sort of seeing what was happening, you know, from the neck down Mm. while I was in thinking processes. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely the practice of yoga that showed me, wow, like (laughs) what's happening, you know, in my shoulder when I'm having a discussion or what's happening in my hip when I'm sitting at a computer and writing a paper, Mm-hmm. So it might sound quite simple, but in a way, step by step, I began to acknowledge my whole embodiment from like literally the bottom of my feet all the way to the top of my head, mm-hmm. as opposed to identifying more as just like a a thinking being or listening to, you know, stimuli in my surroundings mm-hmm. uh, and sort of, patterns that already existed. And yoga slowly and very uh, subtly in times, and also not subtly in other times, began to wake me up to how possible it was to be fully present. And then when I was fully present, how absolutely transformative experience can be. Mm. Um, and then to carry that mindfulness, obviously, off of the yoga mat. This is the real test, actually. Mm. <laughs> the real test is when you step off of your yoga mat, how much of what you've done there translates, you know, to your relationships, to your work, to your family, you know, to how you carry yourself, mm. you know, to the thoughts that you think that no one else will ever see but you. Mm. But still, there it just... Infuses the whole being with another level of awareness that no one had ever showed me was possible before mm-hmm. um, And this is really what hooked me into the practice of yoga mm. and I, I think to um, Put that
1: up against how we often view our bodies in Western culture um, And in Western medicine is very much to kind of chop the body up into different parts mm. so You get this in in medicine, you have a doctor who does the lungs, and you have a doctor who does the bones, a doctor who does the face, a doctor who does the heart. And there's nothing wrong with that because obviously they specialize and they become very expert in those fields, but you're chopping everything up. And then in addition to that, you have a doctor who does the mind and the doctor who does Mm. the body. Um, So you're separating the mind from the body. Um, And that's how a lot of people see themselves and they see this mind and they see this body and I thought that would be an interesting thing we could chat about a little bit about what yoga says about that Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: now in Western medicine we're beginning to realize a lot more how the mind affects the body and how the body affects Mm -hmm. the mind and there's a lot of experimental evidence now that uh, this is interesting for example um, and this would probably be very intuitive to you as someone that practices yoga Um, But they have found that when someone responds emotionally to something, so Mm -hmm. say you have someone sitting in a a laboratory and you're showing them uh, emotionally charged videos, okay, so perhaps an argument in a family or something on a a film, Um, and the person has various bodily and mental responses to that motion, right? So they, they, you know, you get all the typical things, like your heart rate might go up, you might start sweating a little bit, you might, you know, you're feeling sad, you're acknowledging that you're feeling stressed or whatever.
0: Mm, maybe but, the muscles clench, maybe the rapid eye movement increases. Sure, yeah. yeah,
1: everyone recognizes those responses. But what they thought that they would do was uh, to see on very um, uh, small timescales, which parts of the body were responding first because the assumption had always been that the brain picks up on the signals that are going into the brain so you, you what you're seeing goes in through your eyes and then it goes down the nerves to your brain first and then your brain goes oh this is an emotional thing and your brain tells your body to respond like that mm. right and um, so they were measuring the responses in the brain and then they were also measuring the responses in the heart itself um, and they were also measuring the responses in the the rest of the body, um, so the arms, the legs, whatever. And they actually found that the heart responds before the brain, and the heart picks up on emotional cues and then sends signals to the brain, and the brain is reacting a little bit after the heart, but in response to the heart. Um, And so this has completely changed our idea of which organs are involved in regulating or or kind of um, creating emotion for our body. Um, it's not just that the heart responds to the, the emotion of the brain, the heart's actually generating or initially responding to the emotion of the brain and I think that if you study your own body through yoga or something else like that then you do you recognise that, you actually do feel emotion in your heart and poets have always known mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. and so I feel that there are some aspects in which Western medicine is beginning to catch up in, in this regard and like it's seeing the mind and the body as being much less that kind of um, duplicity that we've always liked to think of them as kind of over the last you know, 500 years or whatever.
0: Well, first, I'm really happy to hear this mm. because this moves everyone into the possibility of being in a less dualistic state, mm. which will then, I think, allow for more healing. Mm. Um, and you said many interesting things there, so I'll try to go back and touch on some of the points. Mm. And... First, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, one of the sutras, I believe it's the second sutra, is uh, Chitti Vritti Niroda, which means the stilling of the cessations of consciousness, and this is one of the major aims of yoga. So that means basically a stabilization of consciousness. Or, you know, put more metaphorically, when the waves come in the ocean, you're less disturbed by the waves as you know they're a part of the ocean, so to speak. And that you manage yourself differently because of that. And that rather than, let's say, reacting, you give yourself a chance to take a breath and respond. Hmm. And something that I always tell my students about the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali is to recognize, before you even open the book that the physical body will only be mentioned two, maximum three times. Mm. So it's really about the state of mind, the state of the heart, and the state of consciousness. Mm. Then another really important point, uh, which is the reason that yoga felt so home to me from the moment I really began practicing, is that it identifies the seat of the mind as the heart. And that answered so many questions in itself for me. Mm. That one should always be seated in the heart, mm. uh, and that, mm. in itself, I think provides a lot of a lot more space in how one relates to oneself and others. Mm. Um, and the term yoga asana. Asana means posture. You know, we have uttita trikonasana. Mm-hmm. Um, Virabhajasana one, you know, triangle pose, warrior one pose. Mm-hmm. But the reason that asana, the word asana is attached to the end of every single posture mm-hmm. is to remind you or the practitioner to always remain in the seat of the heart while doing the practice. Mm-hmm. So if you've lost the contact, you know, if you're practicing pranayama, um, which essentially is happening all the time whether you recognize it or not. Once you
1: and pranayama, just uh, for yeah. people that don't know, um, is the the breathing.
0: Yeah, side we could of your really air. simply just call it like yogic breathing. Yeah. So it's yeah. just the
1: entry and exit of air from okay. your lungs. Um, which is also something you study. Yes.
0: Yeah. And it, this is another interesting topic because it happens through the nose. Mm. Um, I want to circle back to that because I think that's another thing is a lot of people shallow chest breathe through their mouth Mm -hmm. and there's such a drastic difference in how your state of mind is if you breathe through your nose and down into your abdomen. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example if you're doing a practice of breathing and you drop the awareness of the breath or lose it uh, then the practice has stopped. So in the same way when you practice asana or posture if you lose this connection to the asana or the greater picture of the pose, essentially the practice has stopped. Hmm. And this is never going to be something that a teacher can tell you or show you. You know, a teacher can share these you know little words of wisdom with you, but these are the sort of mysteries that a practitioner has to experience for themselves and see. Like, oh, while I was in uttita trikonasana. Actually, my mind went to this thing that happened last week. And then I felt this other sensation, you know, in my shin. And then that brought me to this memory. Mm -hmm. So you're really embodying the pose when your consciousness stays with each of those movements. Just like the Yoga Sutra says, the stilling of the cessation of consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're able to completely root yourself in a posture stay with the circuits of your breath that you're doing and at least be aware of what the mind is doing mm-hmm. and the longer one practices this the more a state of natural absorption will arise so that while you're like chopping vegetables for dinner you know or washing the dishes afterwards you're able to be in a completely absorbed state mm-hmm. with the task that you're doing hmm And then that in itself becomes very similar to active meditation, or as yoga sometimes translated as, which is um, meditation in movement, or meditation in action. Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: I suppose the question is, um, this all sounds very wonderful, mm -hmm. and um, you yourself, you studied yoga for a long time, and you have a lot of knowledge about it, but... Some people might feel that yoga isn't for them as a way to heal themselves Mm. because they may be um, a bit older, they may have long-term health Mm. conditions, they may have disabilities, um, they might not feel that they connect to the more spiritual elements Mm. of yoga. Mm. Um, And I'm, I'm asking this because I'm interested, Um, Do you think that yoga is for everyone or Mm. do you feel that um, for some people Yoga is a wonderful uh, Way to heal and for Mm. other people there are probably better approaches for them to take Mm. What what are your feelings?
0: That's a really interesting question. So um, I'll Build it up on one level. Yes, yoga is for everybody Mm. and literally like every single beings human body yoga can be adapted in order to support whatever situation they're in. Mm-hmm. And this is really because of BKSA Angar, mm-hmm. um, who invented the use of props. Mm-hmm. So we have a wooden block, we have a yoga belt, we have a bolster, we have chairs with the backs removed, mm-hmm. um, we have a slanting plank. There are actually countless inventions of props, which he got... From just looking around in a living room in someone's home and seeing, you know, what do most people have or what can, you know, be used? Mm -hmm. Um, So the props have stayed simple, I think, so that the practicality, uh, so that they're very accessible. So one, that's something really special about Iyengar yoga, Mm -hmm. so that people who are less able for whatever various reasons, because they've had a surgery, you know, because a bone has been broken, because, you know, they were born with some deformity, um, that the yoga can be suited for them. Mm -hmm. Does that mean if they walk into an Iyengar class that they're going to be able to do everything? No. Mm -hmm. But does it mean that they'll be given variations which support whatever is going on with their body at that point in life? Yes. Hmm. Um, i get a lot of emails from people asking what to expect in a yoga class or what will happen in a yoga class and i really encourage people to just come and try it Hmm. because it's experiential Mm -hmm. so i think if someone can get out of wanting to understand intellectually what will happen to them in a yoga class or wanting to know what will happen to them after six months of practice, what will happen to them after one year of practice, that's actually up to them. Mm. So this is another thing I love about this system, so to speak, is that actually the responsibility is on the practitioner. Mm. You know, the postures are ancient ancient shapes like for example in India for many of the poses There's a cave named after them, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going way back in time for you know How long these postures have been alive Mm -hmm. But how much someone practices that with the quality that they practice that is is sort of up to them Mm -hmm. and then going also, I really need to make sure I say that there are always therapy classes too Mm -hmm. So you can use yoga to heal from very severe injuries Mm -hmm. and that it's not just, again, for, like, young, able-bodied, flexible people, which is how, unfortunately, it gets marketed. Mm -hmm. That you need to be able to, you know, after two weeks, put your leg behind your head and, Mm -hmm. you know, while being dressed in, like, a bikini, Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I I find quite quite sad and I definitely try to look at it with compassion but if you're always just distorting your body into various shapes without paying attention to your breath or mind you might as well be going to the gym yeah so I find practitioners that actually get some of what Iyengar is trying to teach and if they get some of the benefits of the poses of even if they arrive in class they come directly from work which many of my students do in my Tuesday evening class just the difference in how stressed they felt when they walked in the room versus how they feel when they walk out after an hour and a half or two hours, it's its monumental hmm. and so apparent in their faces, apparent in the last OM that they chant at the close of class, apparent in how they put their coats on to leave, how they interact with the others, and this is what I think inspires people to begin to practice mm. is to have that memory and know that they can access that place again. Yeah. And that that's one of the gifts of yoga. Yeah.
1: So essentially I guess what you're saying is if you are able to get to an Ayanga yoga class and you've never been to one, then go and try it.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I I find it interesting because I work in accident and emergency a lot of the time in hospital um, in the NHS so I see people from all parts of society all ages um, from a a tiny little baby who's um, got a nasty cold and can't breathe properly to you know someone who's in their 90s who's got terminal cancer um, Mm. who's in a lot of pain so I see kind of this whole range of society Um, And I feel, having learnt a bit of yoga myself, that the principles of yoga can help almost everyone that I meet. They might not be doing anasana, um, they might not be doing any kind of sun salutations, but even in drawing people's attention into their body and to try and bring some mindfulness to how that person is going through that experience and um, whatever it is can be incredibly helpful for people um, and often it's very alien um, like I I see a lot of people that come in having panic attacks because mm-hmm. you know, it's quite a common reason to go to A&E especially if you think that you might be having a heart attack or um, you're not used to having panic attacks you don't know what they are so people often present that way um, and what you see when someone's having a panic attack is um, people have very expanded upper chest mm. and they, the way they breathe is very interesting. So they breathe in before they do anything. So they'll breathe in before they move and they won't breathe out.
0: So they're holding their breath.
1: Yeah, they're totally yes. holding their breath. And they don't realise it. Yeah. And so what the this first thing is. what thing... people do in a
0: difficult posture. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. And then I, I always remind when I see this, remember to breathe. And then it's audible, you can hear the whole class go and then the pose becomes easier. So this is yeah. one of the keys is moving with the breath, but first obviously becoming aware of the breath.
1: Yeah, because right. I, I think yeah. the, the thing that you see when you point this out to people, is that they have got no idea that they're doing it. <laughs> they're like, What? Of course I'm breathing out. And I'm like, no, I've watched you for the last ten minutes and you you have hardly breathed out at all. And when you do, it's you're just taking this like little short breath out, and then you're taking another breath in before you do anything. So most of your activity is being mm-hmm. done after an in-breath or on an in-breath. And then you sit down and you show someone how to breathe out and people are like I don't know how to do this I can't breathe out this is crazy why can I not breathe out Mm. and you just sit there and teach people to breathe out and it makes people feel so much better and then that's something that they can be mindful of at home that they can do themselves when they next feel that way and it makes such a difference but Mm. to me that I wouldn't have been able to understand that or see that in other people's bodies um, without yoga in a way
0: yeah, and this is why um, you're in such an interesting position because you're constantly working with people. So the more um, your view and your experience of the body, mind, and breath is expanded, the more you'll be able to help people help themselves. And that's kind of what i always imagined like a doctor would want to do. Yeah. Um, and relating that just for a moment to pranayama. So when you begin pranayama in the anger method... Um, a lot of caution is taken. Mm-hmm. And you always start with supine or lying down pranayama. Mm-hmm. Because it can be so overwhelming mm-hmm. when people first tune into how they're actually breathing mm-hmm. that it's almost too much to process. Mm-hmm. So it's done with the support of a bolster, support for the head, and then all you simply do is breathe in and out more slowly. Mm -hmm. That's the first basic pranayama is attempting to make the inhalation and the exhalation the same duration. Mm -hmm. And usually people err on one side or the other in an extreme, that they either inhale really long or they exhale really long. Mm -hmm. And then from what I've learned through experience in studying texts is that when you inhale for a longer breath, much more energy goes to the head. Mm. You know, it's much more of a waking up Mm -hmm. if you're not doing any of the bandhas or locks for pranayama that you do later. Mm -hmm. And then if you're feeling like you want to calm down more or slow down more, become more relaxed, then you take long, slow, deep exhalations. Mm. And this changes how you feel almost instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I showed showed patients that as well. Yeah. And I... Ask them to and anyone could do this just after you breathe out and hold your breath, see how you feel in those three, four seconds, and then breathe in and hold your breath and see how you feel in those three, four seconds, mm-hmm. just to prove to yourself that you can have this powerful effect on your mind through your breathing, mm-hmm. which is the basis of kind of pranayama and mm-hmm. um and yoga in general I suppose you start linking the the breath and the body and the mind um, all together in in one Um, so yeah I think that was interesting to talk about um